Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Simply Mr. Hayes, the podcast. Here we share our ideas, experiences, and resources to help other educators. I'm your host, Eric Hayes. You may have seen me on Twitter at the handle Mr. Underscore Hayes or read my blog, Simply Mr. Hayes. In this episode, I interview Darius Phelps, fourth grade teacher, TEDx speaker, writer, poet, and illustrator. So, um... To get into this, so tell me a little bit about your, your, your background, what you're doing, you know, educationally. Okay, well, currently this is my eighth year teaching, uh, fourth grade this year, so that is what's known as middle grades, that, you know, kind of odd transition between just everything. Um, I spent about five years doing birth to five. I always did like the little ones, so this is my first full year having my own class of upper grades, and I love it. I love every second of it. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Great. So now... When I when you told me earlier before this interview that you did Birth of Five, I was okay. I was thinking oh, that is incredible. I don't know what I would do in that situation. How, so how has, has that helped you working with the, with those really 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 little ones in your career? Uh, yes, I think I was telling you earlier. I feel like anyone that teaches pre K kindergarten, anything like daycare or research based child development. Um, I feel like you really, truly understand the depth of what it means to really have effective classroom management. You could <laughs> run a room of like 23-year-olds, you got this down pat. You can handle anybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really the truth, I mean, that is a lot to handle. I mean, one infant is enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So having you know, like a room full next to teaching them something, like it, when I did it, we taught them sign language. We did nonverbal communication. That's how they learned to build their language development is based off of sign language. You start that as early as like eight weeks. Whenever you have that fine and gross motor, fine and gross motor development skill starts to really come in, that's how you really build a language development with nonverbal communication, which is also sign language. That's incredible. So it's, it's always interesting to see I mean, that gave me a, a whole different perspective on education, period. Yeah, I, I always admire my pre-K people. Um, that's, that's amazing. So now... So tell me a little bit about kind of what you were doing with your students before, kind of your current educational um, situation. I, I think you said you were teaching fourth grade? Yes, I have fourth grade, all subjects. Great. I have a class of 19 students this year. Yes. So one thing people don't know about, about you, Darius, um, if they haven't followed you at all on Twitter, which please give them a follow, <laughs> you won't regret it. Maybe uh, <laughs> you as well. <laughs> Got to get that shout out, you know. <laughs> so uh, no, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting is you have that poetry background, mm -hmm. and then when I was talking to you, you told me that you do sketch noting with your kids. So I know this seems like a whole different world now, but I do want to talk about what you did before pre-COVID nineteen with your kids because I okay. thought it's incredible. Okay, thank you. And what I was telling you before, just to kind of give the viewers a little bit of background, is um, I teach fourth grade this year, so it's self-contained EIP. And with that, what that means is normally have like the lowest scoring students of the grade level. So they come with a variety of backgrounds, academic levels, academic abilities, and that's what in the education world, that's where your differentiation comes in. Being able to, the goal is always to be able to reach every student in the best way possible. And so to be open and honest, I had a kid that came in, well, not just one, I would say about two or three that were on kindergarten level, um, four to five between second and early third, 
maybe about five of them that were late third, early fourth, so to speak. That is a wide variety of age groups to be able to reach effectively and teach not just one subject, but teach four in an eight-hour time span. So I was trying to just research ways that was innovative, that was new, that was fresh, that was engaging for them. That's always my main goal is what gets the kids involved, actively involved, not just listening, but like up and focused, all senses are tuned in on me or whatever it is that we're doing. And that's when I discovered sketch noting. And one thing I would do is I'm an ELA nerd. So I know you mentioned like poetry and whatnot. I love reading. I love teaching kids how to read. I fall in love with reading. Picture books, I'm a big advocate for picture books, especially across all ages. And so this year with having such a low scoring academic group, one thing that many people don't realize is their self-confidence mm-hmm. is extremely low. And so that's where sketch noting came in. Many of them can't, orally dictate what it is or even just write what it is they're trying to say. They have a problem with expressing themselves. And so with sketch noting, that's where I came in with doing a novel study for the book Wonder. And I read it aloud every day for about 45 minutes to an hour at most. And I was able to do a donor's choose project and also have parent donations where my um, every kid had a sketchbook. So while I was doing the read aloud, they were able to sketch and draw for me what it is that they saw in their mind as I was reading the book. So I'd probably read about two no more than three chapters a day, depending on the length of the chapter. And that way I was able to really truly meet them where they are and see where I can. And I was also used as a form of tracking data because mm-hmm. I was able to see where they are and what areas they needed to improve on, but also just meet them where they are just to see truly their individuality shine, their personality shine. Some kids that go above and beyond and do like a whole, literally a whole illustration for every single chapter. Like it was the actual, you know, picture book version and some kids do graphic novels some do do stick figures which is like boom pow you know those action words so just to be able to just see that kind of gave me a good gauge of where I can start with my kids but also give them that freedom of just being free and getting used to reading getting used to hearing the words be told getting used to draw I mean, not everybody has the ability to, you know, draw a certain way, but they got used to being able to just able to really at the end of the day express themselves the way they see fit and know that I was accepting of that no matter how they did it. Just really see them for who they were. So how was the engagement did you with the students? Did they embrace it? At first it was a little bit of a struggle because you know you get the complaints. Some kids are like, Oh, well, that sounds cool, I can't wait to try that. Then you have the complete opposite side of the spectrum. They're like, Hold up, you want me to do what? Yeah, that- you want me to <laughs> they're like you want me to draw they're like first you already asked me to sit and listen to you talk and read this book that i want to read and they're like now you want me to draw too i'm like listen let's just test out for about a good month see where it's going how we like it if we don't like it as a group we'll just reconvene uh the first week was about a struggle you know i had about four or five but at the end of the month everybody was engaged like i was telling you earlier it's a beautiful thing to just look up with a pause in the book and you're like Okay, let me see what they're doing. And you'll see all 19 of them engaged. All pencils are moving. Hearing the pen scrape across the paper was a beautiful thing for me. Yeah, no, I can bet. I bet. And I, I appreciate there's that, there's that transition, you know, that, that week, you know. I think some of us sometimes when we're trying something new because that insecurity mm-hmm. um, is going to work, we hear those right. and we don't give it the time to let it succeed, you know. Right. 
Right. I mean, I, I was freaking out every time I did it. Like, it may work well on Wednesday, but I'm like, okay, Friday, this is not going to work. Yeah. Like, they are not going to be into it. I mean, I even got observed one time <laughs> in the midst of doing the one of the session. I'm like, oh, my God. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm still testing this out. I don't know whether this is covering such a standard. But it's, it's, it's a learning experience for everybody involved. But it's a beautiful thing just to watch and to watch my kids' confidence build and their writing abilities too and their speaking ability too just i'm hearing the oral part of it and their forms of expression i mean there were so many kids that were blocked off just wouldn't even talk wouldn't write wouldn't draw wouldn't give me anything but then to just take part in doing this slowly they're able to slowly let down their guard and it's just a beautiful thing just to witness overall that's what you see with the arts when you get students to engage and see what they can do they find that 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 ability to express themselves one of the things that we talked about um, before this this interview, and I don't want people to feel like they've been cheated. Like what? They're getting <laughs> leftovers. They talked about this stuff before. <laughs> but um, I love the fact that you you were mentioning um, trying to how you helped your students find their voice in their writing. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, so many kids these days, like we were saying before, back in the what seems like the long time, like seems like a long time ago, we used to read actual books. There was exposure of the you know, newspaper, the newspaper being delivered once a week on Sundays. Just seeing people read on the subways, on the buses, you know, as you're traveling around town, people had hard copies of some form of literature in their hands. And I feel like in going back to education, we do this standard-based testing with information text, having kids respond to prompts. We're not truly building a culture of writing with our kids. In order to be able to write, whether you love it or not, or just even just be used to it, you have to truly find your voice. Mm -hmm. And so that really gave, doing the sketch note and gave my kids a chance to truly, gave my kids a chance to get not only get acclimated to writing, but to truly try to find their voice. You know, one student may have more of a dark, humorous tone, one may have a more serious tone, one may be more, have more of a comedic tone. There's different voices and no one's voice is the same. And so with the sketch note, it not only gave them a chance to show different forms of illustration, but different forms of writing too. You know, every, piece of writing doesn't have to be a formal essay. There's poetry, there's raps, there's music. Like you know, I would tie a lot of our lessons into, hey, this is what Ariana Grande is saying and thank you next. You see what I'm saying? That's a form of writing. Songwriting is a form of writing. Music is a form of writing. Dramas, plays, there's so many different types of literature that they haven't been exposed to. So I feel like in order to really truly get the kids interested in all of that, you have to really try to take it back to the basics. Yeah. really fall in love with reading, fall in love with writing at the core. You can't appreciate the variety of text, a variety of music, or whatnot, any kind of subject until you really see what's at the core. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, I, I told you this, that it, there's sometimes this, this thinking that, well, you know, in writing it, it has to be this particular format. Mm -hmm. Kids get very good at writing in that particular essay format. Right paper and you know those those things have a certain place but then mm -hmm. it's not like they're not going to write about themselves right and we talked to, you know i thought about like the college essays where they have to write that personal statement how so mm -hmm. many students um that's the first time they've actually really talked about themselves and they don't know right. they don't know right their, you know and like i was telling you with the college i didn't know where to start it took me like a month to write and respond in one prompt where did you start? Because, you know, you were always used to responding to a prompt or responding to a certain person. I don't know what it is to talk about myself. Mm -hmm. But now I have college applications, college essays, scholarships, 
even when you go into interviews for jobs, they ask you to talk about yourself. What do you bring to the table? And I feel like we're not properly setting our, setting our kids up to be successful. They're, I mean, it's, you, you have no choice but to be like, wait a minute, what are you really asking me? Do I know how to respond? Mm-hmm. Where do I start from? Yeah. What do I bring to the table? What can I write about? Yeah. And I like in the elementary, you're, you're getting your kids to find that voice so that mm-hmm. later on, they're not going to have that struggle where like, uh, how do I talk about myself? You know, mm-hmm. how do I share without boring people and get to the right. point? Right. And, make it seem like I'm, you know, valuable. Mm-hmm. Or even have that low self-esteem where you feel like, oh, no matter what I say, I'm going to be boring somebody. Exactly. No, stand for your opinion that, and realize that you have a voice and that it is unique. And there's no one else on this planet like you. But you, everybody has a story that deserves to be heard and to be told. So I know that you like poetry and yes. you are a poet. Um, how have you been able to incorporate that um, in your classroom or maybe in sharing your experiences with your students? Um, I've actually just, we have random times where we just incorporate poetry and like they'll come in and they'll just be like, Mr. Phelps, you heard this song? And I'm like, okay. They know I'm a lyrical kind of guy. I'm like, okay. It may sound like this going across the beat, but what does this really mean? So we take that time to really break it down. And I feel like it's giving my kids a wider perspective because they thought music was just music. I'm like, you think Jay-Z is the best rapper? Really think about it. If you really look at his flow and listen to it and the way certain words rhyme and certain ways he uses certain words or like, um, we even talked about Mariah Carey one time, how she uses big words in her songs. I'm like, that's a form of poetry. Mm-hmm. Tie it back into imagery. What picture, and going back to sketch noting, what are they trying to show you? Yes. They're painting a picture with their words. So I try to use uh, the poetry, and I try to get the kids just seeing that there's poetry everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was not just Dr. Seuss. There's different forms like Edgar Allan Poe, Langston Hughes, Nikki Grimes. There's certain picture books that you read that may have been or still are a poem at the foundation. So I try to, you know, that really gets them, gets the wheels in their minds turning about poetry and just literature, period. Now, I, I hesitate to say this because I don't want the glaring eyes to come at me. The little, <laughs> <laughs> before talking to you, I thought, I want to ask about poetry because I, I know that, you know, in my own school, educational experience, it wasn't something that was enjoyable. You know, it wasn't, right. it was a format poems that didn't relate to me. So right. mm-hmm. I, it wasn't later on, it wasn't anything I wanted to teach my kids. I struggled mm-hmm. if I had to do any poetry unit. I was like, oh my God, this would be so boring. And that, that's funny you said it because most of the kids are like that in the beginning. They're like, poetry, that's that shappy stuff. Like they all might think it's romance or it's confessing my love to somebody or like something completely crazy. You know, like they don't, they think it's something they're like, what? I read that I have no idea what you know what is the what does it mean but you know I slowly got him to see that poetry is everywhere you like Biggie you like Tupac they're really poets oh yeah yeah right for sure so I just I think really tying in that real world connection they're kind of like oh so it's not just this book of like Shel Silverstein or whatever you know that it's like it's this is poetry is part of real life you just don't realize it Exactly. So what I think what we, what we learned from this interview is that you needed to have been my elementary teacher. And then <laughs> I would have had a broad understanding. I would have been poetry. <laughs> I would have been honored. Thank you. Thank you. So now I, I, this is, we're talking about this difficult time that we're all living with this pandemic, COVID-19. It's, it's thrown everything, all this upheaval. 
um, and we're adjusting to virtual learning, distance learning. So how has that affected your students and what have you been able to do to kind of support them? Uh, like we were saying, mentioned earlier, I just, for me, I've always just want to be that sense of consistency and stability for my kids. You know, before we were there with me for eight hours a day, they may have felt safer with me than they do at home. So I try to just check and let them know, hey, I'm still here. We may not be face to face. I may not be physically with you, breathing down your neck, so to speak, for eight hours a day, but I'm still here. And so for me, right about now during this difficult time, it's difficult for not just students, but teachers, administrators, everyone in the education field as well. I'm here for whatever they need, just checking in. And just let them know, you know, we're in this together, just to reiterate that. We are still a family. We're still a community. We rely on each other no matter what is going on. I got your back. And what do you sing about the, the assignments and your students? Are they keeping up with it or is it seeming like they're just having a hard time as well? In the beginning, they were, you know, it was, okay, this is still school. You know, we got to do this. We got to do this. But I feel like the longer we're going through this, the, the less like participation there is for the students. They're slowly starting to, you know, they first thought, okay, this is temporary. We're going back. Now it's been now school's been closed for the remainder of the school year. That participation is just steadily dropping. It's more like beginning, like it's feeling like the beginning of the school year again, where it's like pulling teeth. Kids are going back into their shells, resorting. You, you know, a kid you may have had open up that would respond to prompts or just discussion is now, ab, you know, not absent, but just non-response for a week or just doing the bare minimum because you're not there side by side. And I feel like it's really shining a stronger light or should be strong, shining a stronger light on that relationship building mm -hmm. and having that and realizing how important that is just being there in the presence of, you know, that teacher you love or the teacher you've grown to love with the same thing with the kid, how important that is, how important relationship building truly is. Yeah. And, it, and go ahead. I feel like it's just, it's harder for the kids because now they're at home, they're in different situations, different environment. And like we were saying before, some kids, a lot of, you know, we never know what a kid is going through. Being at school may have been their place of solace, their safe haven. Now they're at home dealing with 10,000 other issues and now schoolwork is no longer at the forefront of their minds. There are kids submitting assignments at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night because that's when they finally have a break to actually do their assignment. There are third, fourth, and fifth graders while their parents are at work, they're trying to raise and tutor their younger siblings. They don't have time to balance both. Their kids having to really be adults now. They're losing their sense of innocence, so to speak, trying to keep up with everything. It's, it's a lot. It's it really is. a lot. It is. And it is, it's important to, to think about this and hear mm -hmm. the stories about your students and other students because it's, it's a reality that our kids going through. And just like we, want a certain amount of grace, you know, as we're trying to figure things out, we have to extend that grace to them. Right, right, because it's stressful for us, but it's just because more people are piling more work on us as educators, we have to really still think about, at the end of the day, these kids are still kids. Mm -hmm. We've been through hard times and difficult situations, so we, we know how to hold steady ground, so to speak, during times like this. They don't. This will be the first tragic experience they have. They don't know how to adjust or how to bounce back or put on a brave face. So I feel like we really need to t be more constant of what these kids are going through and just really realize they're still kids. Yeah. This is a big change. 
It is. We need to just, I understand it's important to keep up with the work, the academics, still learning, yes, but also there's so many other factors that are into, coming into play now. And we yeah. have to really think about that and address it. Not just, okay, yeah, I understand, but no, truly address it and really listen to what is being said. Yeah. It's one thing to hear somebody, but to really actually listen and really take that into consideration is a whole other thing. And I appreciate that you are, are reaching out to your students the best that you can to, to check on them. And it's not about the work. It's not just, oh, the so-and-so is not turning into stuff. It's, it's that you, you want, you had the relationship before and you're mm -hmm. care about how they're doing. Yes. We want to say the same thing for the parents too, because this is not an easy job. I mean, parents are now having to do or even just see what it is that we were going through eight at eight to nine hours a day. I mean, you get phone calls, they're like, I now finally see what you were saying about such as not doing the work or having a problem when you've explained it 20,000 times. It's a new normal. Well, I didn't really like even using the word normal because I don't know if it ever really will become, <laughs> will really yeah. truly adjusted. It's just so much and it's all at one time. It's, it's, it's overwhelming for everybody. And I bet with the, the platforms that you're using, I think you said you use Google, Google Classroom, that you yes. haven't explained that to parents too. <laughs> yes, because I've had many phone calls uh, for the past month of, you know, can you walk me through this? Uh, am I signed in? Am I logged in the right way? It's a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. we're grateful to be in an age where we had more uh, experience with technology, but so many parents, you know, we have young parents, we have older parents that don't necessarily know how to navigate these tools that we're used to using every day. So it's you really having to really, it's been a humbling experience to just really remind ourselves to take a step back and truly, you know, appreciate what we have, but also be willing to help another and rely on another. And I feel like that's the key part of this time is to really just go back to the relationship building and just being there for one another, being supportive and truly caring and loving at the end of the day. Yeah. And I imagine it makes all the difference when you're talking to that parent, showing the understanding. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to come at them in a smart or, you know, a nasty tone, like, oh, I have to explain it to you. But no, it's kind of like, okay, breathe. I know this is overwhelming, but we're in this together. I got you. I got your back. I know you have mine. You know, I have no problem explaining it 20,000 times, even just feeling myself to show you how to do it, what to click, what to type in. Just, you know, to help, help someone out, just to let them know, because we realized we were once beginners, too. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So you really, you really have to really take a step back and really just put yourself in different people's shoes and really just view it from different perspectives. Couldn't agree more. So to conclude this podcast, is there anything that you, that you feel like we haven't talked about you want to share with, with other ed educators? It's been actually a wonderful conversation with you. And I know that you have so much to teach us and so much I can learn from you. I would say just for anybody, parents, students, teachers, administrators, anybody involved, during this time, it's just to keep your head up and to not be afraid to reach out for help. Um, we're all in this together. You never know who may be struggling. There may be some things that I can help you with and you can help me with. We always, I feel like we learn best from experience and just talk to one another and rely on one another. And I feel like that is, that's key right now, is to not be afraid to admit that, you know, you're struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Especially those of us who are relational, type teachers that really, yeah. it's a struggle for us because we're not seeing our kids. No, we're, we're, we're not talking to a computer screen eight and nine hours a day when you're used to having that one-on-one -on -one connection or having a certain conversation with student A. Like we may talk about wrestling or whatnot. You know, we don't have that 
time or there's so many kids that don't have internet access now. You know, you really think about it. We're used to being privileged and like, oh, I have internet, oh, I have cable, oh, I have a laptop. There are still some kids, some families that don't have any of that. Yeah. And so there may be, you may get to see four or five kids at your class a week and the other 15 you don't. So it just really goes back to, you know, back to relationship building. Just, we miss that. We miss seeing our kids every day. They miss seeing us. And I don't know about you, but I think it's okay during this time. And I think it's, it's going to happen for us to, to start questioning our role, you know, who I am as a teacher, because we're missing that essential element. Yes, and it makes you really, I feel like this is a time of true self-reflection. To really just take the time to think about, and for me, it's just remembering, I have to remind, I've had to remind myself the last two, three weeks is, I've never really had this problem in my eight years, but these last three, four weeks have been really rough. Just to remind myself of why I started this in the first place. Because this is a test that it's, it's not an easy test. It is something that I know we will get through together, but it's hard Every day is different, like we were saying before. Every, there's not been one day throughout this whole period that has been the same. So you really have to just really hold on tight to why you committed and what was your passion and what is still your passion and reason for doing this. Yeah, and I like and, that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really hard because there's so many outlier forces that are not coming down. This is a stressful situation for all parties involved, but you cannot forget your why. Exactly. Forgetting your why, is something that can't happen in this time. And if it is happening, you have to remind yourself, okay, this is why I did this. This is a this right. moment, it will pass. It may seem like a long moment. And then like you said, reaching out to others, you know? That, I mean, my heart really goes out to new teachers. Especially, I mean, I can't imagine being a new teacher during this school year. Yeah. I mean, this is something that like even a mentor can't prepare you for, because we've never experienced it before. Yeah. I just feel like going back to that, having that strong support system is everything for both teachers and students. Therefore, I feel like teachers really need to just kind of just relax a little bit off of the grades and the assignments and just being there for the kids and the parents as well. Well, I've enjoyed it very much. And I would encourage anybody to, to connect with you. Where, they, where can they find you on, um, on social media? Uh, they can find me on Instagram. I'd be my Instagram is Mr. Phelps ELA. Uh, lowercase letters uh, for Instagram, and then I am also, ooh, my Instagram, my Twitter. I have to double check because <laughs> it's been a while since I've looked at my Twitter handle. You can reach me at Twitter at uh, dphelps1113 for Twitter. Great. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to our show. We know there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and yet you chose us. If you like what you heard please subscribe to this podcast and stay tuned to our next episode.